0: Father God, thank you for uh, the way that you work in our lives. Thank you for this beautiful song and this challenge from Jesus that we will be known by our love. I pray that you would give us many opportunities to demonstrate how your love in us makes a difference in the way that we react toward others. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you guide us. And as we uh, move closer to spring here, maybe with the last threat of winter coming, I pray that you would continue to open up our horizons in the way that we look at the world around us and the opportunities that come with warmer weather. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for uh, the way that we get to serve our neighbors and the community around us. Thank you for the heart that you have given to each of us that little by little is being uh, molded after the, the heart and the mind of Jesus. Lord, we lift up Bob this morning. We pray that uh, you would aid him in the healing process and that you would give Bob and Sue the patience that they need with him stuck at home for a while. We also pray for Doug and Lori as they grieve over the, the loss of Doug's father. We pray that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them. Thank you for their presence in our fellowship as well guide us this morning as we continue this study of uh, how we will be known in the world. And I ask that you'll give us insight into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a woman named Sharon who is a church secretary, and she wrote about her experiences in Reader's Digest. She mentioned that she had developed the habit of answering the phone each day by saying, Jesus loves you, Sharon speaking, how may I help you? But one day she got a little bit distracted. There were a whole lot of people in the office, and there was a lot of conversation going on. The phone rang, and this time she answered, Sharon loves you, Jesus speaking, how may I help you? (laughs) There was a pause on the other end of the line. And the caller then said, somehow I thought your voice would sound a little bit different. I don't know about you, but I, I love that story. Sharon loves you, Jesus speaking. Now, it's obvious that Sharon slipped up that day. She didn't mean to say it the way it came out, but think about what she said for a minute. For people who call ourselves Christians, for people who believe that the spirit of Jesus indwells our thoughts and our hearts, didn't Sharon actually say something that we hope for? That as, as we love the people around us, that Jesus speaks through us? It's a neat thought. Well, good morning. I'm glad you're with us today here at our North River campus and wherever you are choosing to view this particular service. Last Sunday, Pastor Todd launched this current series, They'll Know Us By Our, and each week we'll have a slightly different answer to that question. Todd took the first leg by talking about our stories. They'll know us by the way that we tell our stories, and he focused on the story of the Apostle Paul and the way that he used that. And this morning we come to part two. Our topic is love. They will know us by our love. So the question that's ringing through my mind as I was thinking about this particular Sunday is what did Jesus mean when he said that we will be known for our love? That's our topic this morning. Let me just dive right into this. The first discovery that I make when I look at this particular passage is that Jesus was very, very serious about this particular concept so in verse 34 he says a new command i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another okay how do we know that jesus is serious about this look at the repetition that happens in these two verses of scripture jesus includes the word love four times in two verses Jesus used repetition of words and concepts when he wanted to get our attention, or originally the intention of the disciples on this. The Gospel of John uses the word agape for love, which refers to a sacrificial love, a love that is other-centered, a love that comes from outside of ourselves, given by God, but meant to be given away to other people. So the command to love appears to us also in the present tense, which has the force of that we are to love and to keep on loving, to continue loving, not just to do it one time. The focus of this love is to love one another. This means that this love is not one way, it's reciprocal. And this one another feature is also featured three times here. Repeated three times. Jesus is serious about this. He's repeated love four times, one another three times. Now look at who the command is aimed at. You. The word you appears five times in these two verses. There's no wiggle room here. No room for passing this on to somebody else. Oh, this was meant for my friend. This was meant for my wife. No, you. So Jesus refers to you and me five times with this challenge in these two verses. Let me ask the question, who's expected to take this seriously? You and me, all of us. Then the context of this command adds some urgency. Jesus had just celebrated the last supper with his disciples when this discussion comes about. Judas had just gone out and made his was making his final deal, betraying Jesus, and was soon to lead the entourage of people into the garden where Jesus and the disciples would be praying. So think about this. Knowing how difficult this would be over the next several days, knowing how confusing their world was about to become, Jesus stresses the importance of loving one another at that specific moment to his disciples. Friends, this is a huge wake-up call for us today. Our world is often very challenging with a culture that is complex to navigate. Our culture is less tolerant of our faith year by year. And some are abandoning the cause of Christ. We, we hear these studies all the time about how many people are walking away. Legal challenges keep rising in regard to, uh, to the right to live out your faith in ways that previous generations were able to count on. And Jesus Calls us to love in every situation. He called his disciples to love one another in difficult days. He calls us to love one another in difficult days. So remember this. Jesus was very, very serious about this. This is not a throwaway line for us. These are the instructions that he gave the disciples as they were about to enter into the darkest chapter of their walk together with Jesus. Second observation. Jesus gave us a mandate to love one another. So notice the way that verse 34 starts off, the first half of the verse. A new command I give you, love one another. You may be aware that this command shows up several times in the New Testament and in the Bible at large. All the way back in Leviticus chapter 19, the people of Israel were told to love their neighbors as themselves. This means that Jesus wasn't making something up when he was asked what's the greatest of all the commandments and he said love the Lord your God and love, the, love your neighbor as yourselves, he was quoting from Leviticus 19 and saying this is the greatest command that's already been given. Paul would repeat this command. So did Peter, so did James. So how is this new if this is repeated so often throughout the Bible? I was reading a number of other pastors and the way that they approach this question. Brian Bill, a pastor in Illinois, notes that new here doesn't mean that it was just invented, but that Jesus reasserts this in a way that is qualitatively new and fresh. In other words, he's taking an old command and he's refreshing it for the disciples. It's fresh in the way that Jesus fleshes out the dimensions of loving one another. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us we are to love our enemies. So it is new in the sense that love takes on a new kind of urgency as Jesus was heading to the cross in the ultimate mission of love. Jesus also stresses that this is a command. That means that this is not optional. This is not a, oh, you can take it or you can leave it suggestion. It's something that we call a mandate. It is also the first and primary command among all the one another commands that we find throughout the New Testament and throughout the rest of the Bible. So think of it. We are to serve one another, forgive one another, pray for one another, meet with one another, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another, be at peace with one another, accept one another, patiently tolerate one another, confess our sins one another, One pastor was looking through a list like that, and all of a sudden he broke out into songs from the 70s. Everybody get together, try to love one another right now. Remember that? Here's the big idea for this morning. It's very simple. Nothing marks Christians as Jesus people more than our capacity to love like Jesus. Nothing marks us more than having that ability to love and to serve other people. By the way, let me give a shout out to our congregation and to our deacons team and our tech team. Yesterday, we had an opportunity here where uh, a neighbor of ours, Bill Shields, who was a longtime reporter for WBZ Channel Four TV, Bill uh, had approached me a couple of months ago and said, "I don't attend your church, but I live a mile away, and um, would you handle my funeral service?" Now, here's the backstory: Bill didn't come to our church, but uh, Bill knew about our church because he covered a story back in 2007 when Private Matthew Bean died in Iraq. And some of you were here for that. It was standing room only in this room, a couple hundred people outside. It was it was an awful day. It was a wonderful day all at once. Uh, you know, Dana and, and Cheryl Bean, who are still so much a part of our church, were, were so out there with their faith and with their hope and, and the way that... They were hoping God would use even the death of their son, which is as tragic as as can come. Bill covered the story that day for WBZ, and he remembered our church from that, and he, he heard truth in a way that he could handle it, but he also thought, I want you to handle my service when the time comes. And so it was interesting. We served the whole Boston news community. This place was standing room only yesterday morning with all the newscasters that you and I have been watching for the last 20 or 30 or 40 years. Bill had a 41-year career at at Channel 4. And it was was an interesting moment uh, yesterday where our teams served the larger community and then they... They took the broadcast of that and put it on Channel 4's website. So if you want to watch it, you you can find it. Just go to their website this afternoon. Uh, We had an interesting number of conversations with people as folks all around the Boston area were watching this particular service yesterday. And I want to thank our tech teams, Patrick, and some others who were here yesterday, uh, just giving of, of your time, the folks who worked the cameras yesterday, extra time that nobody had to do. Nobody had to do this. Why did we? It's an opportunity for us to love our neighbors. We were taking this to heart, that Jesus is serious about this kind of stuff, and it has an impact. Here's the third observation. Jesus gave us a model for loving one another. Look at what he says if we take all of verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. Okay, how do we love one another? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is actually very helpful. Jesus gives us a model for how to love. The model is not some average kind of love that we see at work in our society. He tells us to look at him and follow after him. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the model. And here's the standard. As I have loved you. Okay, let's ask the question. How has Jesus loved us? Well, he gave up his home in heaven to come to earth on mission to redeem people like you and me. He gave up his status, being recognized as God's son, taking on the the humble form of a human being. He had taught them, guided them, equipped them, encouraged them, and admonished them. He'd washed their feet and served them. He'd befriended them. And Jesus was about to commission those disciples to carry on his work without him as he returned to the heavens. This is not only helpful, this is also hard. Jesus set an amazing standard of love. How can people like you and me really love like Jesus? And then we remember, he didn't just leave us on our own. He gave us the Holy Spirit who was able to fill us with God's love again and again and again. You know what that means? We can love like Jesus. I can love like Jesus. You can love like Jesus. He wouldn't have given us this command if He didn't think that we could. And He wouldn't have given us the Holy Spirit if we didn't need that kind of help. We have spiritual empowerment every single day to love like Jesus. How do we do this? James Merritt says, when I think of the toxic atmosphere we are in today, I'm reminded that spit, spat, and spite are close relatives. Don't try to say that fast back together, uh, side by side. He goes on, he says, I am determined not to spit out divisiveness, get in a spat over disagreements, or exercise spite toward those who have differences. I like that. I can remember something like that. Spit, spat, and spite, three things to avoid. Brian, Bill adds this thought, let's let's not let the donkey and the elephant divide what the lamb did for us on the cross. You know what that means, right? Yeah. Think about that. Love is not necessarily a requirement to follow the donkey. Love is not necessarily a requirement to follow the elephant in the way that we practice our politics. But love is a requirement if you and I are going to follow the lamb. We follow the Lamb more than we get involved in those other things. Am I telling you that you can't get involved in politics? Absolutely not. We have people on the right. We have people on the left who are part of this congregation. But if we are truly hearing Jesus, we don't let the way that we follow these other involvements get in the way of how we follow Jesus, the Lamb. He comes first. And we will be known for that. Think about it. Jesus demanded this from a team that included Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. You cannot get two orientations that are more opposed to each other than that. And he put them together on the same team of disciples and they were hearing this mandate fresh from Jesus. Love one another. You'll be known as my disciples by the way that you love. Nothing marks Christians as Jesus' people more than our capacity to love like Jesus. And Jesus made love our mission. Let's take these two verses together then. A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. A group of soldiers overseas we were overseas, and they hired a local boy from the area where they were in to cook and clean for them, but these soldiers were also a group of pranksters, so they took advantage of this young helper. Every day, they had some new prank that they kept pulling on him. They smeared Vaseline on the stove handles. They put buckets of water over the door, so when he'd open the door, it would crash on him, and they nailed his shoes to the floor one night. And their young servant continued to put up with all this abuse day after day without saying anything. Finally, his silence got to them and they felt guilty about the way they'd been treating them. And one of them came to him and said, look, we know these pranks aren't funny anymore for you and we're sorry, we're not going to take advantage of you like that again. The boy smiled at them and said, no more sticky on the stove? They said, no, we're all done with that. No more water over the door? No, that's all done. No more nailing my shoes to the floor? No, they said, He said, okay, and he got a wide grin. No more spitting in your soup. (laughs) Jesus makes a profound statement about people who love one another. Here it is. They will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Notice what Jesus did not say. He did not say, "'They will know you are my disciples "'by your sinlessness.'" He did not say, they will know you are my disciples by your theological precision. He did not say, they will know by how you separate yourself from the culture. He did not say, they will know by how you vote. He did not say, they will know by how you judge or reject other people in your culture. He did not say, they will know by how much you protest all that is wrong in your society," He did not say they will know by how many Bible verses you can recite and spit out to other people at the drop of a hat. He said, they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Now this fits our vision statement. You might wonder, why do we do stuff like this? Why do we have a vision statement? Why do we refer to it from time to time? Because it helps us focus on what's at the heart of who we are becoming. So here's our vision statement people being forever changed by God's love and daily changing the South Shore and beyond for Jesus. Yesterday, we had an opportunity to go beyond the South Shore with what we did here in this room. But every day, we are experiencing more and more measures of the love of God that we experience through Jesus. And that gives us the ability to take that with us wherever we go, wherever we live. And to find ways to spread that around. To find ways to respond to other people. The more we worship Jesus and draw near near to Jesus every day, the more his love flows. And the more his love flows, the more we are commanded to love one another. So here's what that means for us at North River. It starts here. It doesn't start when we go out into the world. It actually starts here. The love one another factor that Jesus was talking about was initially with the disciples themselves. And then we are expected to go out and love others outside too. That's where our neighbors come in. That's where our enemies come in. But here is where we practice first. We cannot be known as Jesus' disciples unless we are around other Christians, involved with other Christians, sharing life with other Christians, loving other Christians. Don't get mad at me for saying that we will not be known as Jesus' disciples unless we are elbow deep in loving one another in the Christian movement first. I didn't make that up. Jesus did. It's right here in these two verses. There's an old camp song that says, this is my commandment, that we love one another, that your joy may be full, that your joy may be full, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, that your joy may be full. So here's a question that I have for you right now, towards the end of this message. Do you want to be known as one of Jesus' disciples? You don't have to say it out loud, but... Internally, you do need to answer that question because this is the mandate that comes from Jesus. So, this week, I'd like to give you a challenge. Find someone whom you would normally not reach out to and do something. I don't care what it is, but do something as an act of love that stretches you a bit. Go out of your way to help where you're aware of a need. Visit someone who's in the hospital. Send an encouraging card. Send flowers to cheer somebody up who would never expect flowers from you. Thank someone for serving who you've never thanked before. Buy another Christian's coffee or buy their lunch this week. Just saying, I, I want to I express the love that Jesus has given me for you. Team up to bless another Christian's day. Why? Because Jesus was serious about this stuff. He says they will know we are Jesus' disciples first by the way that we love one another. All the other ways that we are answering this question in this series springboard off of that decision that we want to be known as his disciples and we will be identified by the way that we love each other. And one of the great things about belonging to a church family is within the church family that's where we get to practice. That's where we start. And the better we do it within the church family the more likely we are to do it outside of the church family as well. Nothing marks Christians as Jesus' people more than our capacity to love like Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us this challenge that comes right from the heart of Jesus in the midst of one of the most troubling weeks of all time. As he was about to be betrayed, head to the cross, suffer and die. And as the disciples would encounter confusion and fear and flight and the desire to fight back. Thank you for the timing of that challenge. Because it it shows us that we're not exempt no matter what we're going through today. No matter what we're going through tomorrow. No matter what this week will bring. Thank you for placing us in this world with all of its challenges, with all of its division. Thank you for placing us in a world that badly needs the love of people who love each other first because you loved us and who dare to love those outside. Holy Spirit, fill us with greater and greater amounts of the love of Jesus in our hearts so that we can follow Jesus the way he wants us to. And go with us as we experiment. In his name, amen.